Hello everyone, Alan Mishran here from Vitality Explorers. I hope you're having a wonderful beginning to 2023. This is another edition of the Vitality Explorer News Podcast. And our goal here with the podcast is to take some of the friction out of staying vital. We're also trying to help you make deposits into your Vitality Bank account. Excuse me, your Vitality Bank account. So you can join Vitality Explorers for free at vitalityexplorers.com or you can subscribe on vitalityexplorers.substack.com. So as we always like to do on this podcast, we're going to start with a quote. And this one is from Dante Alighieri, okay? The famous poet of the divine comedy, okay? And here is the quote. The secret to getting things done is to act. Pretty simple, right? The secret to getting things done is to act. That's from Dante, all right? So this week on the Vitality Explorer News Podcast, we're going to talk about something really interesting, I hope, which I call it creating your to-done list, not your to-do list, but your to-done list. We're going to take a little bit of a deeper dive into why muscle matters, and then we're going to finish with mouth breathing interferes with memory. So let's talk about this idea of having a to-done list, not a to-do list, a to-done list. Now, you can look at the Vitality Explorer News Substack site, created a couple little graphics that you can look at, but I don't want people to think any more of a to-do list, and I want people to stop dabbling today. Part of I'm speaking also, by the way, to myself, so we're going to talk about this as we go through this uh, podcast today, but I think it's today's the day to stop thinking about a to-do list and start executing on a to-done list, and this actually is not a joke. Okay, this is a serious effort to figure out how to find out and then execute or act upon what is most important in your life. So I think we can start by stopping complaining about having too much to do. Almost all of us sometimes have too much to do. Some of us don't have enough to do, but a lot of people have too much to do. And I think that's a function of not being brutal with your to do list. So my suggestion is today, not tomorrow, today. Spend some time listing all the things, all of the things you need to do in the next 30 days. And this may be some work. You can start with your family, your community. Maybe you even have some serious legal obligations or other obligations at work that you have to to do in the next month. But list everything, okay? Now, once you've got that comprehensive list, rank order it. Be very, very careful about which ones you put in the top 10 and especially which ones you put in the top five. So review, revise, review, revise your list. And you can even maybe sleep on it. Okay, so you've got this list, this long list of things you want to do or have to do in the next 30 days. And then you need to pare it down to the top, excuse me, five or six that you most want to have done. Not to do, the most you want to have done 30 days from now. So start the process over again, ranking and re-ranking that now shorter list. And it can include simple things or or maybe more complex things. Here's just some examples to consider. Excuse me. Um, Lose five pounds, complete a specific work or home project, find a new relationship, find a new job, pray or meditate every day, connect with a new set of friends, 
or do some resistance training, which we'll talk about in, in, later in the podcast about why resistance training is very important. There's really an infinite number of possible examples. The goal, however, is to be specific and concrete about what you want to accomplish in the next 30 days. Now, all right, wait for it. Here comes the brutal assignment. I want you to find a three by five card, or you can look at, look it up online for those people who don't know what a three by five card is. It's, it's really about using that amount of space. So it can be a three by five card that's preferable or that amount of space on a piece of paper. And I want you to get a pen, not type this into your computer, but a pen and a piece of paper or a three by five card. And then right at the top, to done list, not to do list, to done list. And then I want you to just put three numbers on that. One, two, three. Okay. No more than three. This is your 30 day to done list. Now, don't include any general statements like I want to feel better or I want to have more friends and don't use any more than that three by five space. And then here's the second part of the assignment. Take a picture of that card with your phone or camera and then mail it to a friend you trust to hold you accountable. All right. This, this is going to involve some um, in real life kind of stuff here, but find a stamp in an envelope. Um, I suppose you could email the picture to other people, but it's preferable to put it in a in the mail. I think there's some value to that. And then ask that person not to open the letter um, containing the card for 30 days, but schedule a time to connect with that person to review your to done list. And then the best way to do this, <clears throat> excuse me, is to ask that person, that same person to participate with the exercise and mail you a card. Again, I suppose you can email the, the picture of the card. All right, this list then becomes your North Star, your guide to figuring out how to spend your precious time. I suggest you focus 90% of your time and effort on the to-done list whenever you can. Enthusiastically attack that list, that to-done list. And remember, you're the one who created the top three. And nobody else forced you to rank order those. But look at those top three that you want to have done in 30 days. And then what we're working on here is focus. And I think focus is a really forgotten pathway to success and getting stuff done. So being focused, being specific, and then setting a deadline, I believe, helps us execute. <clears throat> Excuse me. I have done this with my good friend, Captain Tom Chaby. You can listen to um, the podcast that we did, uh, which we do probably three or four times a year. It was Surgeon and a Seal, Episode 5. What are you willing to suffer for? At the end of that podcast, we kind of challenged each other to do this. So I have sent Captain Shaby my 3x5 card with my three things I want to have done in 30 days. And in about that amount of time, he and I are going to do another podcast <clears throat> where he opens his, I open mine, and we see how we have done with our to-done list. Now, the primary goal of this exercise and this challenging exercise is to help us prioritize our lives. The secondary goal is to actually just get three things done, right? What are the three most important things you want to have done? So you can post your comments about this at the Vitality Explorer Substack site. Um, <clears throat> I hope this is a way for all of us to be a little more specific and actionable about what we want to do in 2023. Um, please share this concept with your friends and family. And I look forward to hearing how we can all together crush the next 30 days with our to-done list. Again, you can subscribe to Vitality Explorers at vitalityexplorers.com for the text, free text message newsletter, 
or go to, go to vitalityexplorers.substack.com to see more of the details. Now, the next thing we're going to talk about here on the, the podcast is why muscle matters. Now, we certainly have talked about this a little bit in the past, but I found an awesome, awesome uh, review article about why it, it matters. Now, there's a lot of reasons why muscle matters, um, but the concept of resistance training versus aerobic training has not been explored as much as, as I think it should be. And this article entitled The Health Benefits of Resistance Exercise Beyond Hypertrophy and Big Weights had some cool graphics, which I have, uh, you can see on, on, online. And, and they broke the, the value of having more muscle into several categories. And we're going to go over those uh, today. Uh, and the, the, the one that I think is sort of obvious but not really well discussed is mobility. Like if you have more muscle, you can literally walk better. And for people who are older, it also can reduce the risk of falling. So the first category of why muscle matters is mobility and falls. And here's a quote from the article. Quote, aging is associated with sarcopenia, comma, the, the age-related loss in muscle mass, strength and function, which is inversely related to morbidity and mortality. And I found it staggering that sarcopenia or low muscle mass costs the healthcare system about $19 billion per year in direct and indirect costs. So one way to reduce the risk of falls is, is to combine lower extremity resistance training. That could be like on a bike or that could be with bands with balance training. And a very simple one is a sit to stand exercise. So balance, falls, and mobility are associated with better muscle. The second and one of the most important, perhaps the most important, is cognitive function. So it's it's an emerging set of data that suggests that um, you know we can mitigate our risk of cognitive decline by improving our muscle. <clears throat> Here's the quote from the paper: "Quote evidence indicates that increasing physical activity can affect cognitive function in older adults and individuals with mild cognitive impairment." The effects of resistant training on cognition may be mediated by exercise-induced increases in brain-derived neurotrophic factors and cerebral blood flow. So basically, working out helps not just your muscles, but also helps your brain. Um, and that's fantastic, right? So it's a simple way, I think, of mitigating the risk of cognitive decline. There's a lot of people working on multi-multi-billion dollar drugs for cognitive decline. But guess what? Getting out there and doing some form of exercise and specifically resistive exercise to build muscle can or could be very, very valuable for your brain. The third, right? We talked about mobility. We talked about um, cognition or brain health. The third, how about cancer? So cancer is a terrible disease. Uh, it can often require challenging treatments such as chemotherapy or surgery. But here, here's the quote about cancer from the paper. Physical, quote, physical activity has been shown to cl have clinically significant benefits for people with cancer, including improvements in physical and psychosocial function, fatigue resistance, improved quality of life, reduced recurrence, and increased survival. Wow. All of those. Not just one of those. All of those. So if you had a drug that could do that, let's go over those again. Physical and psychological functioning, fatigue resistance, improved quality of life, reduced recurrence, and increased survival. It sounds like a miracle drug, right? So if you have cancer, you know somebody who has cancer, or you are worried about getting cancer, being physically active and building muscle has been shown to help. The fourth, this one again is pretty obvious, but under-recognized as important, and that is your metabolic health. 
And metabolic health is a variety of different means a variety of different things, but it's it's pretty interesting that both aerobic and especially resistance training can help improve your metabolic health. Uh, and and resistance resistance training means like th- things like lifting weights. It can mean like resistance bands, but that helps preserve your muscle mass and improves your glucose tolerance. Right. So again, the pharmacologic approach to this would be to take a drug. The more lifestyle or holistic approach to trying to in- enhance your metabolic health would be to do some physical activity. Again, I refer you to the Vitality Explorer Substack site for further details about it. I want to read the conclusions from the paper, however. Quote, the health effects of resistance training extend beyond those attributed to increasing muscle mass and strength and include reduced mortality risk, really risk of dying, right? But quote, participation in resistance training can increase physical and physical and cognitive function, improve cancer survival, and manage metabolic health. We propose that resistance training be placed at the forefront of physical activity guidelines alongside aerobic training. Wow. All right. So this is a very powerfully and very well done paper that I encourage you to to review. And here's the Vitality Explorer analysis and recommendations. So resistance training is a clear vitality enhancer, period, full stop, drop the mic, okay? And that's that's just amazingly clear in the literature. You improve your mobility, decrease your risk of a fall, enhance cognition, reduce the risk of di- diabetes, and literally help you live longer, okay? So vital, vital people, therefore, take time to engage in resistance training. And the optimal, optimal amount has yet to be determined. There, there appears to be a pretty sweet spot between 30 to 60 minutes per, per week, okay? 30 to 60 minutes per week, and that's enough to make a significant difference. So I encourage people to get some resistance bands, hand weights, or work out with machines at your local gym to improve your muscle function when you can, whenever you can. So I, I literally am looking at a 25-pound weight on my desk as I record this podcast. I try to uh, do that as much as I brush my teeth. So in the morning and in the evening, just when I get up, I will do a set of 10 curls with that. I know it's a little weak. I've talked about this before, but that I think of that as brushing and flossing my teeth for my muscles. So you know, I encourage people to, get to, to post their comments about it. I think the other things that are, that are important to understand, again, peer-reviewed published data in large data sets, over 10,000 people, um, found that people who have low muscle mass have increased levels of something called CRP. So that's a measure measurement, a very validated measurement of inflammation in your body. So if you want to reduce the amount of inflammation in your body, it sounds kind of interesting, not overdoing it, but moderate weightlifting or resistance training to, um, you know, suggests that you can reduce your inflammation. The other one is that lifelong exercise preserves your muscle stem cells. Let me say that again. Lifelong exercise preserves your muscle stem cells. Now, this goes back to a little bit of something I'm, I'm a little crazy about. I've been trying to uh, be in a, a follower, uh, a little bit of David Goggins, who wrote this amazing book called Can't Hurt Me. So I think he, I, I could never do one one thousandth of what he does. But last year in March, I did go running with David Goggins in his four by four by 48 challenge. I only did one four mile run, but 
I was inspired by the people who were there who loved to exercise relentlessly. And I think that's a core concept of being a vitality explorer is that you need to think of this as your survival mechanism. And the data is just off the charts. And this one about, you know, you know, maintaining or maintaining your muscle stem cells is really fascinating to me. And we've talked about this in, in, in the past, but just briefly, people who completed, who were recre recreationally active, had moderate intensity um, of about 150 to 300 minutes per week. This is a lot more than just dabbling in it. They, um, they seem to have a much better ability to maintain their, their muscle mass and their muscle satellite cells. And so these satellite cells are the ones that are the key muscle fiber cells um, and, and lifelong exercise help preserve them, okay? So the cells from the older men in the study who had exercised consistently had better nerve connections than the, and they were very similar to the younger control, younger control group. So the conclusions of that particular paper, and again, you can see all the details on the Vitality Explorer News Substack site, is that recreational physical activity preserves satellite cells during aging. It also enhances muscle innervation status. And here's the quote, this data or these data strongly suggest that the detrimental effects of aging can be partially offset by lifelong self-organized recreational exercise. So you don't have to be involved in something crazy, but you have to be relentless or consistent about it. <clears throat> um, I think we're going to keep pounding home on this because I, the more and more I read about how muscle matters, the more important I think it is for all of us to engage as much as we can in resistance type training in addition to aerobic training. And that's aerobic training it can be like walking or running or hiking. Um, we're going to finish this week's Vitality Explorer News podcast by talking about something that's kind of interesting. It's on the edge of, of, of uh, what's out there, as we like to talk about once in a while on this podcast. But that is a study that I found that suggests that mouth breathing interferes with your memory. Very interesting, very, very interesting study. So the snarky thing I put up on the website is, should you tape your mouth shut? All right, and we talked about that before and we will again in the context of perhaps eating too much. But I think the answer to this question about nose breathing versus mouth breathing is, is reasonably complex. The data suggests, however, that we should try to breathe through our nose as much as possible. The title of the, of the study that we're going to go over here today is called Investigation on the Effect of Oral Breathing on Cognitive Activity Using Functional Brain Imaging. And here are four of the conclusions from the paper, and then we'll, we'll dive into the details. Uh, or excuse me, here are three of the conclusions. Number one, oral breathing can interfere with efficient performance of working memory. Number two, oral breathing is, is an inappropriate method for intellectual activity. I like that one. Oral breathing, this is a quote, oral breathing is an inappropriate method for intellectual activity. Number three, uh, prolonged oral breathing can significantly induce impaired cognitive function. So I think it, it, it's maybe true that training ourselves to breathe through our nose can improve our memory and cognition. The study first reviewed all the literature with regard to oral or mouth breathing, and here's a couple other things they found. Uh, number one, quote, recent studies have demonstrated 
an association between oral breathing and cognitive deficits. And number two, it is important to clearly understand the role of breathing in the human brain to live a healthy life. All right. Now, the study was small, so this is not definitive. This is not absolute. They looked at 22 healthy volunteers who were an average age of about 22, 22.27 to be exact. The volunteers were then asked to identify a number or a symbol while either breathing through their nose or through their mouth. And a nasal plug was, it was used to ensure uh, to during the oral part to confirm that they weren't breathing through their nose. So you had nose breathing and then you had um, tasks in uh, either nose or oral breathing. And then this, the interesting part here is the subjects were then placed inside a functional MRI unit that had really high spatial resolution uh, and a matrix coil that could look at the entire brain. And so there's some images from, from the paper up on the Vitality Explorer Substack site that I encourage you to look at. But what was found is that there were differences were noted in the regions of the brain with, with oral versus nasal breathing using the functional MRI. And there were um, no significant differences in the time response or accuracy. The nasal group, however, was close to a statistically significant difference at, at a p-value of 0.054. All right, but the conclusions of the paper were kind of interesting. Here's the quote. It, quote, it was confirmed that functional connection uh, decreased significantly during working memory task in oral breathing rather than nasal breathing. According to these results, oral breathing can interfere with the efficient performance of working memory. Wow, oral breathing can interfere with the efficient performance of, of working memory. All right, now here's the analysis. So I think this is a small study in young subjects. It may or may not apply to a broader age group, um, but the, there are clear differences, according to this study, in how our brains function when we breathe through our nose or our mouth. All right, and I had no idea that was true until I read this paper. So the next time I take a test, I will definitely be breathing through my nose as much as I possibly can because it, it's apparently, or the next time I try, want to try and remember something, um, I do have some trouble with remembering people's names. So maybe I'm going to try to breathe through my nose when I'm trying to remember somebody's name when I first meet them. I think we're going to explore this a lot more in future posts. It's a paper um, by Jung and Kang in 2021 when it was published. Um, and I think it's something that we can look at more. Uh, when I posted this for the first time, there was a lot of people commenting about whether or not breathing through your nose or your mouth is, was associated with better athletic performance. I think that is much muddier than this. I would encourage people to comment on this uh, Vitality Explorer Substack site or send me a, a message if they have any data about nose versus oral breathing for athletic performance as I'm very interested in that. And then you can always send me an email at am at dare to be vital. So thank you again for listening to the Vitality Explorer News podcast this week. This is something I, I have said this before. I'll say it again. I love to do this. I am enthusiastically jumping into 2023. I'm actually roaring into 2023 with enthusiasm about how to best execute and bring the audience, the best scientific information about how to live a vital life. Again, our goal here is to take the friction out of staying vital. Um, you uh, get my homework every week by signing up at vitalityexplorers.com via text message on Mondays. You can also sign up at vitalityexplorers.substack.com. I encourage you to leave us a five-star rating on Apple 
or Spotify podcasts if you're enjoying what you're listening to. And please share this widely with your friends, family, colleagues uh, to enhance their vitality. And as always on the Vitality Explorer News, (laughs) excuse me, the Vitality Explorer News podcast, until next time, dare to be vital.